Jaden Hobbs holds against two defenders, goes to Kate Dillsaber, floater at the baseline, missed! Rebound, Weston! Kate Mia Birmingham, we're headed to the Elite Eight! We're going to Alabama next week! First time since 1995, ladies and gentlemen! Western comes all the way back. They beat Fort A State in Hayes, Kansas for the first time since 2007. For just the third time in history, Missouri Western goes to the Elite Eight and Fort A State falls to 0-3 in Central Region Finals all time. And Candy Whitaker making a case for National Coach of the Year. She's going to cut down nets here in Hayes. I do not believe it. What a week, what a season, what a team. Missouri Western 70, Fort A State 69. Hayes, Kansas is Candy's land. Candy Whitaker takes Missouri Western to the Elite Eight. As you just heard on the call right there from Tommy Rezach of KFEQ Radio and the Griffin Sports Network, the Missouri Western women for the first time since 1995 are Elite Eight bound with a 70 to 69 win over Fort Hay State. Welcome everybody here to the post-game show here on the Cliff Notes Podcast. I am your host, Clifton Grooms. It is March the 14th, 2022. Just got done watching the game between Missouri Western and Fort Hays, and what an incredible game. What an incredible weekend. Congratulations to Coach Candy Whitaker, Coach Emily Wacker, that whole entire staff, and all those players. Very, very well deserved. What a great season so far. What a great weekend for Missouri Western women's basketball. And I couldn't have done this postgame show without some help. We had an opportunity via phone to talk with the Maryville Forum's John Dykstra. Now, you might be a little bit confused on why chose John to talk about this game because John has a one-day break from covering a regional championship of his own in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Tomorrow night as Northwest hosts Augustana. He was able to watch the whole game, so him and I actually broke down this game. We talked about the uh, Women's Regional Championship and a look ahead to the Men's Regional Championship with Northwest and Augustana. Here is that conversation with myself and John Dykstra right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here on the Cliff Dust Podcast. Usually my guests at this time, you can hear me, you can hear this guy either talking about um, Bearcat sports or Maryville sports or Nottaway County high school sports, but I got him here to talk about Missouri Western basketball, and we're going to preview Northwest men's basketball um, regional championship tomorrow night against Augustana. My guest at this time is, no, is none other than the Maryville Forum's John Dykstra. John, Welcome back. <laughs> it's good to be back. I don't, yeah, you're, you're surprised as me that I'm talking about Mo West sports, but, ooh, that was a game. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I know that you and I uh, watched the game. I know that you got a day in between games um, for uh, Northwest's regional uh, tomorrow night, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But, but on your day break, you're having to catch Missouri Western women and Fort Hayes State. So, just up overall, real quick, before we break it down um, in detail, um, just overall, just your thoughts on Missouri Western's run in the Central Regional. Holy smokes. Um, the MIAA, that's a pretty good conference, I'd say. Uh, they, uh, Bo West had a very good year. Um, didn't 
wasn't one of the top teams kind of barely snuck into the tournament there that that went over Central Missouri in the MIAA tournament got them in there and uh and but since they got there they have been on a run and Jalen Haggard's kind of fueled that run of all people so uh so just an incredible run for them um they they are not prone to fast starts that's for sure but they can they can finish a game and it seems once they get rolling it's it's hard to it's hard to knock them back off track and that was certainly what happened the last two days with that Carney game and then tonight that that game at Hayes looked over um I thought it was over at least and uh they just they kept battling yeah, it's always kind of like a situation, you know, where Missouri West is kind of playing with house money at this point. But um, in the first the first quarter of this game, as you just mentioned, um, uh, the other night uh, Western was down twenty to six to Nebraska Kearney in the first quarter, and then they were down twenty to seven. And it kind of it kind of seemed all doom and gloom kind of in the first half there for um, Missouri Western. In the second quarter, they were down by as much as twenty one, but Missouri Western used a six nothing run to end the half to get this score back within back within fifteen. It was thirty eight twenty three. Fort Hayes going into the locker room. Um, John, just your thoughts on um the first half of this game? Well, the first half was all Hayes. They had the home court. That place was rocking. Um, they, they seemed like nothing could go wrong for them. They were north or excuse me, Western's defense were struggling there a little bit. Couldn't get. Uh, was giving up open shots. Jalen Hobbs was was really controlling the game um, for them, and uh, and yeah, just Western wasn't wasn't hitting shots. They weren't. It didn't seem like they had much of a flow going offensively. That's for sure. Uh, to steal uh, Will Martin's uh, phrase there, but they uh, they couldn't quite get it going, and then I know you're gonna you're gonna ask about the second half, but it all changed then. Oh, absolutely it did. And uh, second half of this game, um, third quarter at least, Grips were able to outscore Hayes 22-11 to in the third quarter. But then they were able to get it to 49-40 to at the end of three. Still down by only a couple possessions here. Um, John, what do you think really changed? Um, what do you think really changed for Missouri Western in the third quarter? Well, I should have said at the end of the second quarter they had they ended that quarter on a run, which got it back to within fifteen and and that got it manageable because obviously it was twenty one at one point, but yeah, that third quarter they just kept chipping away and and really getting some open looks at the basket they were cut and they were they were getting downhill a little bit more and uh and uh Jalen was starting to heat up and and space the floor a little bit so they could get downhill. Um, that was just a really, really kind of, they were starting to play the way you wanted to see them play if you're a Western fan. Um, and it, it started to get rewarded with, uh, with cutting that lead down, but still, still at the end of that, you were kind of just waiting for Hayes to, to make their run and, and completely put it away. Um, but Western just, hung in there in that third quarter to set up that fourth quarter. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, that fourth quarter, I'll tell you what, this this was, uh, I call the fourth quarter the money quarter, but this this quarter, this was the exciting quarter. Um, It kind of, um, 
it kind of got a little bit, you know, a little bit, maybe a little bit gloomy there for Missouri Western. Maybe they made their run a little too early. I know there was a call that was on Missouri Western. Coach Whitaker um, went, went, and, went and had some words with the official, which ended up um, resulting in her getting, techni- getting a technical foul. Hayes was able to sneak, um, sink a free throw there, kind of to extend their lead a little bit. But then Jalen, uh, Jalen Hager, we'll talk about her in just a, just a minute, how many big shots that she made, especially in this quarter. But later on in the quarter, Hayes will get a technical of their own as Lauren West would throw the ball on the ground. I believe it's the second time in the game she's done that. Um, yeah, the, the, the announcer said she'd been warned about it. Yeah, throw the ball in the ground, and then it resulted in a technical foul on the Fort Hayes side. And this is where I feel like really the game kind of really took the complete pendulum shift in the favor of Missouri Western because Jalen Haggard went to the free throw line and absolutely sunk four free throws there in that stretch to put the lead at four. And then later on, um, Hayes came back with a run there um, to kind of tie it or go to a three or go to a one-point lead. Jalen Haggard had a three with 31.3 seconds left, and she she, she was just big this entire quarter. Um, then Whitney Randall um, had an and one to give Hayes the lead towards the end, but then Brianna Budgets, her only her only basket of the game, just happened to be the biggest basket, able to, to able to sink it, um, 70 to 69. Um, Kate Dillsaver had an opportunity to. Um, to take the lead there to win the game for Fort Hayes, but it was not enough. 70 to 69, Missouri Western is in the Elite Eight for the first time since 1995. Griffin fans, you can party like it's 1995. Um, just, uh, John, just uh, your thoughts on um, just your thoughts and um, any other insight that you have on that huge fourth quarter. Yeah, that, that fourth quarter, I mean, it was they they cut it down and it and then Hayes kind of rallied there like you said and it felt like going into those final couple minutes like I know Western made their run and Jalen hit those four free throws in a row but Hayes came back so quickly with with Randall hitting those free throws and Wagner hitting a layup to tie it um, it. It just felt like Hayes was going to win. They couldn't lose this on their home floor to a team they'd beaten twice this year. And then Jalen Haggart pulls up, top of the key, couple steps behind the line. It was it was deep, and uh, and hits a three pointer with 77 seconds left in the game um, to to give them the lead. Um, that that was an incredible shot from a girl who's played five years of of college basketball now and is is northwest all-time leader in three-pointers made um she had 256 in her career going into this year uh those were all at northwest and for her to be able to do that 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 was that was just great and then yeah you said it there i tweeted out as like this ball has to go to either corbin cunningham or jalen hager um, as on that eight second a shot with eight seconds left that budgets hit and nope, they go to budgets who hadn't scored all game and really struggled. Um, and she's able to power her way in there and make that shot. 
And then Hayes, that last second, looked like they had a good look at the rim and threw up a floater, and it was just well, well short. Um, I questioned a little bit for Hayes. Jaden Hobbs is a absolute stud. It has been in this league for a long time. And they were not getting her the ball very much there late in that game. And I, I kind of questioned that a little bit. They went to they went to the freshman, Katie Wagner, who Hobbs gave her a great assist to get that and one uh, that, gave, that gave Hayes the lead with 12 seconds left. But um, yeah, they they went away from her and they didn't. She wasn't the one that shot it on that last possession either. It, but um, absolutely incredible win for Western. And if you look at the track record, I know we'll talk more about this with the men later about how the Central Region tends to produce the national champion. It does in women's too. The women have had have been very successful. Not not quite to the level of the men. But Western, I would not count them out. I'm sure there'll be a low seed going into the going into the Elite Eight just because they were the seventh seed coming into here. But if they're a seventh seed or even an eight seed next week, I would not count them out because they are battle tested in the Central Region and in the MIAA, and uh, <laughs> they could make a run all the way, which would be an absolutely incredible story and uh, I think you're going to ask me more about Jalen later but an absolutely incredible end to Jalen's career absolutely I absolutely agree with you a hundred percent on all that as I mentioned um, Griffin's first elite the last time they made the elite eight was 1995 you want to know who their coach was at the time it was Jeff Mitty and Jeff's doing and coach Mitty's doing huge things at Kansas State right now obviously You've had some investment in Kansas State this year with Serena Sundell going to school there, and uh, we know we know how good how good of a coach Coach Mitty is. And um, just uh, in K State to the NCAA tournament as well, and um, just just an incredible year for Missouri Western. Jalen Haggard, um, 19 points. Just um, overall, job, John, you you've watched Jalen Haggard play um, for several years at Northwest. Just talk about just this this season that she's had. Uh, it's it's back farther than that. My first ever game I covered as a as a journalist, uh, Ross Martin, who some of your listeners will remember from the news press. We had somebody call in sick, and I was a part timer while I was still going to school at Mo West, actually, and uh, had to go cover my first ever game and. Um, a freshman had a really big game um, that day and was my first interview, and her name was Jalen Haggard. So it goes back like eight years or nine years, whatever it is now, of of me watching Jalen Haggard play basketball. But um, she's just going through that. Um, that class she had at Northwest, and not to get too much on a Northwest uh focus here because it's the Griffins night but um, that class with her Mallory McConkie Kylie Coleman Mia Stillman a Benton grad um, Zoe Hayward who uh, again she's another one of the best best kids you ever want to meet but that group that came in and Austin Meyer inherited at Northwest that group is just a special special group of kids every one of them is is just a great kid and everything she went through building the program to 
to where it is now and, and really having a foundation there at Northwest and then getting a chance. Uh, when her career ended at Northwest and it looked like she might be done, uh, Coach Worker reaching out to her and bringing her into Western um, and getting to play in her hometown for, for one more year, that's <laughs> – I mean – that's a Hollywood script right there. That that doesn't get much better than that. And and now to get all the way to the Elite Eight, beating some of the best teams in the country, um, is it's just absolutely incredible. And you can't help, no matter what side of that rivalry you're on, you can't you can't help but to feel good for Jalen Hager and have 19 points, lead all scores in that game, come off the bench. She played the most minutes too. Um, Coach Worker obviously. I think as anybody watching that game recognized that that she was the one that was not intimidated by this this moment kind of early on and got him back into the game, got him settled down a little bit, and uh, and then just was able to to be terrific down the stretch. She took a big charge too, which uh, if if you've seen Jalen Hager play, you know she's not the biggest kid. Um, she took a, I believe it was on Hobbs took a charge midway through that fourth quarter or so. Uh, that was a big play, a big momentum builder, kind of as, as Western was making their run. So uh, just uh, you got to feel really good for, for Jay and and all those kids at Western who who have been through the grind of the uh, the tournament. And, uh, and Austin Meyer, actually, for Northwest, mentioned it, how, how they – played because they and Western play the same schedule because they're traveling partners. And during the regular season, they played the toughest schedule you can play in the league. They played all the top teams while, uh, while other, they played all the top teams twice, I should say, while some other schools only had to play them once. So he kind of predicted a couple weeks ago that, uh, that Western could make a run just because they have their record doesn't indicate how good they are. And uh, and sure enough, they made a run, and uh, and now they are going to Birmingham, Alabama. And absolutely, I'm Jalen once again, 19 points. Corbin Cunningham has 17 big points. She had a big first half, ended up fouling out during the game. So it was Corbin pretty much starting it. Jalen finished it, and then Connie Clark had eight points. Those are your high scores there for Missouri Western. Uh, we'll find out. I'm probably tomorrow or Wednesday. Wednesday, I would probably assume who Missouri Western's opponent, as they do reseed this tournament just like they do the men's. I know there were several seven seeds who won their regional tonight. So um, it's going to be real interesting to see where the Griffs end up as far as seeding is concerned. But, um, John, we're going to come back to you here in just a few minutes. We're going we're gonna to throw it to some sound from the Missouri Western um, press conference from tonight and hear from Coach Whitaker and a couple players about tonight's victory over four-day state. Well, an unbelievable game. Um, you know, we got into a major hole and um, found a way to dig ourselves out of it. Um, Fort Hayes is an incredible program. They played a, a you know a super tough game. Um, Coach Hobson's always been very good to me, and um, you know the, the program he's built is um, something we we work to be. The consistency they've had. So, obviously, um, you know, shout out to them for such a great season. Um, could not be more proud of this bunch. I mean, they just continue um, to find ways and bring it and play a high-level basketball. Um, and the resilience they showed and the fight they showed um, was something I'll, I'll never forget. And, 
you know, a lot of ways they, uh, they've set a standard for us um, at Missouri Western and um, they've created memories and moments for us that we'll, we'll never forget and um, continue to, to try to build on. But really proud of them. Um, also want to thank the regional committee for great tournament and, and Fort Hayes. Just everything was, was done so well here. Um, and we enjoyed, we enjoyed our time and everything went really smoothly. So a big thank you to everyone um, who played a huge role in making this tournament happen. Well, I, you know, I, it felt um, like we had some individuals that really wanted to go make big plays um, and were forcing things and not really executing and playing together, which is when we're at our best. And it didn't come, I don't think, from a selfish place. I think it come, came from a place of really wanting to win this game. Um, and it put us in a bad rhythm. Um, we had some really poor transition defense in that time, um, and sometimes poor offense leads to that. Um, and, and they they made shots, and they made open shots, and they made some hard shots, contested shots. But they came out on fire, and, and we were we were not good. Um, so that was the first quarter. At what point did you feel like you guys settled down and started getting what you wanted to get? Well, I thought we got a little better in the second, but still not great. Um, still not really making shots, but but started to maybe execute a little bit better. Started to get some things at the rim. Um, you know, we're cutting a little bit better and had some good plays. Um, but you know, it wasn't really in the first half that I felt like we were um, in sync and, and playing like we had been in this tournament. Obviously, the game swaps on you. On question for you, Jalen. I guess just what, what was your perspective of the, the four-point play that was uh, two free throws, four free throws on the ball at the end? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even sure what happened. I was just told to shoot four free throws. So um, I knew, the, obviously, the foul. But um, at that point, my job was to just knock down four free throws and, and try and put us up four. Do you feel like that's where things kind of shook? Well, we, were, we had climbed back, climbed back, right? We had climbed back. But that's huge. It's huge. Um, you know, that you fouled a fantastic th shooter, right? And, and Jalen had been, become really aggressive and was putting her team on her back in that period of time. Um, you know, I got a T, they got a T. It's probably fairly even, um, but but big time opportunity for us and um, to to go up two possessions. Coach, you talked about the two halves a little bit more, but first half uh, <coughs> really let it go. I mean, uh, free throws are shot. Second half, a lot closer call, a lot more free throws. Notice that. Uh, how do you adjust to something like that? How difficult is it to adjust yeah. to that from one half to go? Yeah. Such a change. I think I think it's always difficult, um, you know, for players. You know, I mean, we talk about that. I mean, you know, referees have a hard job, um, and and you have to get a feel for what the game is like, and you have to adjust as a player. Um, you know, but. I guess consistency is the most important thing um, from end to end. But you know, again, just just really proud of our, our group. Of course, both both teams you know shot it pretty well from the line. Um, but you know, just just the fight to come back. You know, for us in the second half is was was everything. And uh, Jalen, you seemed to give him a boost in the second half uh, with drives to the basket and against their defense, and also of course the field of threes. Is that something you pride yourself on, on being able to do those two things? 
Um, I mean, I've kind of bought into my role as a shooter, but I try and drive just because I think it catches people off guard every now and then because it's not necessarily my first go-to move. So at that point, um, I was just trying to stay aggressive and, and put us at the rim anytime we could. And the 1-3 was uh, a rainbow for quite a big distance. Are you confident in that shot from that distance? Yeah, I'm confident because she's confident in me, so I let it go. Yeah, she can shoot wherever she'd like. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, she gets in trouble when she doesn't. So, and and Jalen's a basketball player. I mean, she can put it on the floor. She's got mid range. She can. She's super quick. You know, she's very versatile as an offensive player. Uh, the two late possessions. Uh, first, offensively, uh, you got to, you were able to get the ball inside to get the go ahead bucket. Uh, was that what you were wanting uh, to try to get it to her, or, or was it just a, it developed that way? Who did? I, who who was? Bree, the goal, like the winning, the yeah. the last bucket, yeah. it was an op it was an option, absolutely. Um, we and we had three options um, in that play, really four, um, and that was one of them. Um, and Bree was open. I thought Jordan made a really good decision to give it to her, and Bree made an even better decision to attack the rim. And then after you got the lead, the defensive possession, uh, were you trying to really uh, deny Hobbs the ball in that possession? We felt like she was coming, and we wanted to try to blow the play up if we could, but not stay too long. Um, I don't like to gamble too much off the inbounder, um, but but yes, we tried to blow the play up. Uh, finally, uh, what does it mean for this program to advance to the uh, Elite Eight? Well, we um, are in it to win it. So when we um, start in the recruiting process with our with our athletes. I mean, we talk about winning at the highest level. Um, and I believe in talking about it. I believe in putting it out there um, and making sure they know that that's, that's a possibility. Um, I believe that at the Division II level, I think there's not a lot of difference um, in, uh, there's more parity. Um, so if you can get an opportunity and you can um, get enough talent um, and athleticism and, and mesh it, Right and have great chemistry. I think you have an opportunity um, to win at the highest level. This, this whole year, you were to a point where you were contending for a conference title, and then you run into Paige Carney and Canyon Arlington, yeah. and then add the bus off. You never could get over the hump over the teams that were ahead of you. What did this weekend do for this program in, in that essence? Well, I think I think this team had been building um, for a while as far as playing better. Um, you know, we would play really well, and then we would have um, a game where we would watch film and be like, you know, that those are there's 25 wasted possessions there. You know, we have to be our best. We have to control what we can control, and so it's just been chipping away at understanding what makes us good. And then towards the end of the season, I just you could see it just clicking more and more, understanding their offense, understanding options, understanding what makes them good. And and we weren't winning at the end against Fort Hayes and Carney, but we felt like we were putting ourselves in a position to win. Um, and this team just continues to buy in um, to the team mentality. And, um, and you know, they've just, they've just been a joy to coach. For the two players, um, you know, you were the seventh seed coming into the tournament. But was there, uh, obviously every team thinks they can win and go to the Elite Eight, but you're the seventh seed. Is there a point in time where you thought that you had that belief even more so that confidence that, yeah, we can go ahead and win this thing? I think in the first game, whenever we played just so in sync with good tempo, I said, I think we can get this. Yeah, I mean, I think we were confident walking in. It didn't matter who we played or what our seed was. We were just ready to show up and, and win.
And Coach, what, what's your thoughts about as a seven seed coming in? You, you knock off a two seed the very first game. It has to give your program a lot of confidence going into the next two games. Absolutely. I mean, I think winning always builds confidence. You know, so when you have success, you 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 learn from it and you build and it builds confidence. I just. You know, I just think this team's really good. I mean, there was never a point, um, really. I mean, I always, I always thought they were good enough to win whatever game they, they're in, to be honest. Um, so that's how I approach it. That's how I look at it. I didn't really care what seed we got as long as we got in. I just thought if we get in, we, we can win. Um, we, have, we have enough of our, our roster's deep. Um, our roster's talented. We have athleticism. Um, we have, you know, inside-out balance. And I think that equates to really winning this time of year. And, you know, I, I just i have always thought they could win. I mean, we've been in positions where we had been down before. Obviously, we were, we were down against UNK, <clears throat> but um, like we said, the buzzer, you know, the game's not over until the buzzer sounds. So um, just trying to execute um, a little bit better than we did in the first half and string together stops, and that would put us in a better position. And just chipping away, uh, we had a big deficit. I think we came together and did what we need to do. And that was Missouri Western Sound tonight from tonight's victory over Fort Hayes Griffiths once again in the Elite Eight for the first time since 1995. We'll keep you um, updated as far as seeding and the matchups on the Cliff Notes podcast of social media networks. Um, you can follow that at Cliff Notes underscore pod on Twitter. But now, um, John, we're going to get you back to the uh, meat and potatoes of your coverage. Um, and, and you're, um, as I mentioned, you're in um, Sioux Falls, South Dakota for the men's regional as Northwest men um, look to add another regional championship to their resume. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But um, you had an opportunity um, last night to um, – being one of the most exciting venues probably for a college basketball game at the Stanford Pentagon. Um, just some, talk about your experience really going and covering a game and seeing that arena. Oh, that arena is really cool. I think anybody, even if you don't recognize and realize that it's in Sioux Falls or that it's, that it is the Stanford Pentagon, you'll recognize that floor whenever you see it. Cause there have been some big basketball games at the division one level played on played on that floor and it's kind of unique uh unique look to it but it's just a really cool arena obviously it's home to to augustana who's hosting this tournament and uh it's it should be a great atmosphere tomorrow night because northwest um had a lot more fans there than uh than washburn did the other day that's for sure so uh they travel well and they always do um so and but Augie will obviously have have the most and have a real home uh, court environment there. So it should be fun. It was fun last year at uh, Northern State for for maybe the best basketball game I ever witnessed. So um, it it'll be it should be fun tomorrow night um, and to see if uh, the MIAA can send a couple teams to the Elite Eight. And um, I want you to talk about a little bit about Northwest's uh, road to um, road to the regional championship. I know that we haven't had an opportunity really to talk about that in a couple of days, but um, Northwest started their um, first round by defeating Minnesota Mo Minnesota State Moorhead 
who was a hot team definitely going into this tournament. So I bet you probably Northwest probably thought they were a dangerous basketball team, ended up beating them 69-54. to 54. And then it just wouldn't be an NCAA tournament without Northwest and Washburn for the fourth time. Eight <laughs> times they've met in the last two years. It's just incredible. It's, um, Northwest was able to get the better of Washburn in that game, 70-55, to 55, to advance to another regional championship. John, just um, walk us through these um, first two games for Northwest and uh, your thoughts on the Bearcats' performance. Yeah, I had to watch the Moorhead game remotely like, uh, like you did because I was down in uh, Springfield, Missouri for, uh, for state championships down there. Shout out to, uh, to Platte Valley on your state championship. But um, – the uh but I did watch that one remotely and uh and Moorhead's obviously a good team. They won they beat Augustana, they beat Minnesota Duluth. Um they're they're a high quality basketball team and uh Northwest was able to get that win. Uh just kind of a balanced game. Nobody had they had four guys in double figures, but nobody over twenty. Hudgens led them with nineteen. It was just a just kind of a solid workmanlike performance to pick up a 15-point win over over a good Moorhead team. And then yesterday, yeah, it's the it's it's Washburn, it's Northwest. Those games are always fun. Those backcourts are so outstanding to watch with Diego Bernard, uh, Trevor Hudgens going against Jalen Lewis and uh, and Tyler Guyman, and um, they are truly all four of those guys should be all Americans. They are, they are so good. Um, Trevor's probably going to win another uh, national player of the year award. Um, but those guys are so good. And Guyman guards, uh, guards, or excuse me, he guards Hudgens as well as anybody. And he held Hudgens to just six shot attempts and seven points. Um, but on the other side, Isaiah Jackson, the freshman, holy cow, what a game from him. He held Tyler Guyman, like I said, one of the best players in the country, to uh, 1 for 12 shooting, 0 for 6 from 3, and just two points. Um, people, <laughs> they that just doesn't happen. Uh, nobody could have predicted that one. And uh, on the other side, Jackson was great too, 13 points, 8 rebounds, a um, couple steals. Uh, he was just fantastic in that game. And Diego Bernard led him with 18 points. Wes Dreamer got to a hot start, finished with 16 points. Mitch Mascari off the bench, who hasn't even – there are some games he doesn't play, but he had 19 minutes off the off the bench, three for three shooting, all three of them three-pointers, and had nine points. Um, so this team really seems like it's – it's rounding into form. It was a huge win, another 15-point win. So uh, that's that's a theme. They would take a third of those tomorrow if they could against Augie. Um, but they're they're really playing well right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. That first half, uh, Washburn cut it, cut back into it, and got back in the game in that second half. But that first half was a thing of beauty for Northwest and. Uh, and they were able to hang on, um, kind of similar to that uh, Western game we just talked about. Um, Washburn cut into it a little at the end of the at the end of the uh, first half, and then really made a run to get all the way within four points in that in the second half. But 
unlike Hayes, who kind of just continued to crumble against North or against Western, Northwest settled down, were able to get some big shots. Trevor Hudgensid hit a couple big shots down the stretch there. And uh and Diego Bernard made some huge plays as well. Um, to really seal that victory and uh set them up back in the regional final once more. Absolutely. Let's talk about that real quick here. Um seven o'clock tomorrow night, um, Northwest versus Augustana, number three Northwest versus number one Augustana. Those are region rankings there, um regional seating there. Um game is at the Pentagon, the Sanford Pentagon. Um you uh, unlike um the past couple games um where the games have been free on the NSIC network, um a little bit of a disclaimer on this one. Uh, Midco Sports will be taking over this broadcast. Um, unfortunately for us fans, uh, there it is not a free stream. Um, I think you got to pay around six bucks for the stream on five, Midco Sports. Five ninety nine. Yep. Five ninety five ninety nine. If you want to watch the um Bearcats there or um. If you get a party, maybe you can get a couple friends, maybe to split a dollar there to um, watch the Bearcats there. But it's going to be a huge game on tomorrow night. Um, Northwest can make it another local, um, another local team making it to an elite eight. It's just been an incredible basketball season so far. Just talk about uh, your thoughts on um, Northwest in this matchup with Augustana. Well, Augustana is kind of. Um... Coach McCollum talked about today in our in our press availability, which which I think you'll hear later on this podcast, but um about just the uh how the Northern Sun compares with the MIAA. And uh the MIAA is a such a physical league and, and great defense and, and the Northern Sun's a little bit more skills, big guys, um just kind of it's kind of just a different style it it almost makes me think of like when people talk about european basketball and and shooting and and big second stretch it which is kind of how northwest plays anyway and has success with their big second stretch it but um augie's just a really good team one of the best forwards in the country probably um and they uh they're just really good. They had a dog fight the other day with Upper Iowa in the semifinals, uh, edging out that. That's obviously a, a Northern Sun rivalry game, just like Northwest and Washburn was for the MIAA. So uh, they were able to survive that and uh, and punch his ticket to to the finals. And and like I said before, the winner of the Central Region tends to have a very good shot of winning a national championship. So. There's a chance that this this game tomorrow night could determine who does win that national championship. It it has in years past. It certainly certainly did last year when Northwest won a thriller over Northern State and then rolled through the Elite Eight. So uh so yeah, this is this is a game. Six bucks is, is unfortunate, but this is a game that might be worth the six bucks to pay for. And if not, uh you can tune in to to Matt Trenton and John Coffey will have the call always for free on the radio. So, so that's another way to, to experience the game if you'd like to. Um, but yeah, this game, this game is one you're going to want to watch, I think. And I, I feel lucky to be able to have a front row seat for it. Absolutely. And one of the things that I like to do, especially for big games like this is I will actually probably end up paying for the Midco sports stream 
just because I want to watch this game. I mean, you know, Northwest Iowa Santa, mm-hmm. it's like a box office matchup. Now, I'll probably end up turning the volume down on that and then tuning in Bearcat Radio there. And shout out to uh, John Coffey and Matt Tritton, just uh, great friends of both of ours there. Shout out to those guys. Always do great work on the Bearcat Radio Network. Probably end up turning them on and having the Midcoast Sports stream there. But absolutely. And then we can read um, John Dykstra's um, article in the Maryville Forum, which um, John, once again, that kind of segues. Um, where can people um, – where can people um, get the get access to your work? Um, yeah, you follow Maryville Forum Sports on Twitter or on Facebook, Instagram even too. But if you want updates, those those other two are probably better. Um, and uh, and then yeah, MaryvilleForum dot com. We have it all up there. Well, it's been a busy week. I'll I'll post the preview story of this game in the morning, and then. Uh, and then we'll obviously have game coverage from from this game, and then every game for the Bearcats from the last few weeks here. We've been to them all, and and all the high school uh, state games too, with with both Stanberry and Platte Valley. So we've got we've got lots of coverage. I I may even have a Western game. I've reached out to 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 uh, get get some Western content in there with old Jalen. So. Uh, We'll see how that goes, but it'll be a busy couple of days as uh, as we uh, take basketball season as far as we can take basketball season before getting into those spring sports. So um, it'll be a fun few days, so that's for sure. Absolutely, and uh, John, um, I want to thank you um, so much for um, coming on the show. Um, all, as always, um, been a great friend of mine. Um, just you do great work there at the Maryville Forum. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. And um, we'll talk sometime down the road as we get ready for um, – and we may be able to get ready for a potential regional, depending on what happens um, Let what happens with Northwest tomorrow night. Most certainly. I, I appreciate the chance to especially vent about that Western game. That was that was a heck of a game. And uh, and they, uh, they want you to keep doing some basketball podcasts for a little bit longer, I guess. So uh, that's exciting, too. Absolutely. And, um, John, thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to throw some sound uh, to head coach Ben McCollum real quick as we preview this matchup against Augustana. And then I will come back and we'll, um, we'll round out the, um, the weekend schedule here right after this. Uh, Mac, after after watching Augustana last night and probably the night before, what do you kind of feel as if are the keys to success uh, tomorrow? Uh, I did not watch Augie last night. Okay. Came back and tried to rest for a sec, but I've watched him since. Film. Uh, what are the keys for tomorrow? Yeah. Score more points. You know, just try to do that now. We'll just compete, play hard. Um, it's kind of do what we've been doing. At this point, there's not a lot you can change. It's just, it's more really just be you and, and uh, you know, hope that that's good enough. Do they do anything different that you have not seen so far this year? I mean, they probably just do it better. You know, they're, they're super physical. Um, they really pound you inside. They get after O boards. Um, you know, they're, they're um, defensively, their they're system, you know, their system defense where they're real specific in what they do. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just better at a lot of the things that we've seen. You guys are competing for the chance to secure a third straight national title, something that's never been done before. Um, I believe that's the stat, right, Colin? I keep on forgetting. Is it D2? D2? Yeah, right. and, okay, cool. Um, 
obviously, but just does that ever cross your mind? Not really, no. It's just kind of, I just try to survive the day when it's postseason, just see if I can get past, uh, what's today, Monday? See if I can get past Monday and deal with Tritton's questions and, and John Walker's questions and um, just survive. No, no, we just try to survive. We've chatted with Diego. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about it throughout the season, just how much his energy makes an impact on the court. Yeah. Can you talk about his style of play and just what he's meant to this program? Yeah, I think his energy and his violence on the floor, um, you know, brings, um, you know, a, a confidence to our team, an edge that, that really helps us, especially in big games. You know, it's, his play is good. You know, obviously he, he does some things offensively, defensively, et cetera. But more importantly, he does give those other guys, um, you know, that are more calm, I guess, if you will, um, that edge that, that we desperately need to be able to win games. This team, you've been able to kind of adjust the rotation throughout the year to almost matchup based, it feels like sometimes with Mitch stepping up yesterday, Daniel Sides games, obviously. What is is that different? Is that different this year? And what what kind of I guess makes that advantage to have different options off the bench. You can all play 20 minutes, whatever you need. Yeah, I don't know if it's an advantage. I think we've always had guys that can come off the bench and and really perform when their number's called. I think the hard part is when you don't have a, a top seven or eight, um, you know, you yo-yo guys in and out a lot. And so then they play a little bit with a little bit of pressure because they want to keep playing. And, and sometimes that can actually hurt you. Um, I think the way we're doing it right now, especially with Isaiah and, and Byron, their roles, um, you know, they, if they don't score a ton or shoot a ton, it's not a big deal. You know, I, I think the biggest thing with them is who's going to be the better matchup defensively, who's going to bring more energy, um, that sort of thing. And, and that's, and, and, and quite frankly, who's the better matchup? Like against Washburn, you absolutely have to play Isaiah because he, he does as good a job on Tyler as as can be done. So, um, you know, Daniel's been sick, but hopefully we'll get him back on Tuesday as well. When it comes to developing your guard positions over the years, whether it's Cooper, Pitts, Bryson, these two, how have you changed or kept the same way you develop or turn them into the guards you want them to be over the years too? I think it's completely changed, you know, based on personnel. Like some personalities can handle certain things and some can't. Uh, what kind of team we have is is different too. Like this has all shooting, so it's a little bit different than when Justin played. And then obviously when Cooper played, we had three non-shooters on the floor at a time. And so um, I think the, the way we go about it's probably the same, meaning I'm pretty hard on guards and uh, very hard on guards, even to the, you know, even in the game yesterday, you know, Trevor's a fifth year guard and I'm, on him, you know, and, and uh, um, it's just what they sign up for and, and it makes them better. It's hard because there's a lot of pressure, but, you know, in the end, um, you know, I feel like we've we've had some of the best guards in the country uh, at Division Two, and I think that's because of how we coach them. Yeah, it goes back to just because you played the position, that's kind of a, your style kind of growing up with the twos has kind of always been kind of hard on a hard pressure type of style, or I guess... How would you describe that when back to your playing days and early assistant coaching and the style of coaching? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you establish a relationship with 
you can coach them very, very hard. And it, probably personalities depend on that. You know, some personalities demand that you're on them a little bit harder and some don't. I think for our guys, they, they really know they're not coming out of the game. So um, there's not a lot of fear there. And, and as we develop relationships, they're able to have a conversation back too. It's not just one-sided. And so they're able to say what they want to say back to me. And, and then, you know, if they're right, they're right. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. And, and we'll hash it out and it's over. And, and that over time, I think guys realize that, um, you know, once that conversation's over, it's, it's done. And, and we've moved on and no sensitivity. And it's just how I do things is direct and sometimes brutally honest. Um, but, you know, at least guys know where they sit. You talked about the shooters and everything. Obviously, with Wes and Luke, that allows Isaiah to work that dunker spot and work the baseline. Where have you seen him grow in terms of, I'm guessing that's a role he never had in high school or anything like that. So where have you seen him grow and kind of finding that space and finding those cuts? Yeah, I think with the personnel we have, because we have those other four shooters out there, um, you need somebody to be able to cut and, and operate or down around there. Um, you know, sometimes they put big guys on him, sometimes they put guards on him, and, you know, he's either able to adapt either way, and then some games they just, they don't guard him. And a lot of times it's to our benefit, you know, when, when teams do that. I can remember the one year, um, it would have been the year that COVID um, canceled our season. We were probably top 10 in the country in offense, and then one game a team did the thing where they don't, guard somebody and it happened to be Diego at the time and so we had five shooters on the floor and then um, they stopped guarding Diego so he just started cutting like crazy our offense skyrocketed it was the best offense we've ever had um, because it's an automatic paint touch and so you know I'm not a big believer in not guarding somebody but they do that to him and he's found his niche and um, he does a good job with it you told us about listening to a sermon yesterday before the game. Where do you find inspiration as a coach? Is that routine for you, or what, what's normal for you? Oh, that's no, just Sunday. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I, yeah, I don't know. You just find it throughout the day. You find it through a story. You find it through, um, you know, you find it through just, you know, Mitch playing the other night, you know. I mean, that's pretty inspirational. Uh, you know, I think that um, it, it seems like a simple story, but, to him and his family, that's not a very simple story. You know, I mean, he, you come here and he's a really good high school player and for two years-ish, um, you, you don't play as much as you would have liked. And the very moment that our season's on the brink, um, you play and you play well. And uh, it's gotta be hard on him. It's gotta be hard on, you know, family and, and all of that then goes into that one or two moments, and um, you know those, that's pretty inspirational. You know that's it's a lot easier than that's um, a lot more difficult than me just going out and you know winning a few games with good players. You know that's 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 truly difficult, I guess, um, from from their lens. Coming back to the pregame speech yesterday about having no control, how hard is that for you guys from a, from a coaching perspective of? you know, not really in control, giving up control, I guess, so to speak, in the sense of you don't have control. Is that a difficult thing for you to kind of let go of? Um, you know, you can control a lot of different things. You just can't control the result. And so we, we do control everything other than the result. And 
um, you know, anything process oriented, like we're gonna watch a lot of film right now and, and I'll stay up damn near all night and, and watch hours and hours of film and we'll control all of that. And then once you get to that point, um, the result is what gets you in trouble when you try to control results. And that's what gets you playing tight and with pressure and, and, and nervous and, and not trusting what you've done. And so you, you just have to always remember that uh, you aren't in control. And, and you are in control of your process, but you're not in control of your result. And, and uh, as long as our kids do that, I think um, everything will be fine. And maybe not at this point in your career, but could it have been difficult if you were watching film all night and ends up with a loss? Can that change the mentality you take into the next preparation or just for that matter, just kind of how you had to adapt to things? Is yeah. that something you had to kind of, or used to have to be conscientious of too at the same time of don't let a loss change my preparation work too? Correct. Yeah, no, it wouldn't change anything. I'd probably do it harder than. Um, that's just my, you know, I'm, some people are work smarter, not harder. I'm work harder, not smarter. Um, that's just always been my mentality. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just, I've always thought that if you outwork somebody and, and you became a little more obsessed than somebody else, I think sometimes that gives you an edge and sometimes it's, it's brutal to do. It's exhausting. Um, but you know, if you, if you don't like it, then don't be in first place. That's kind of my theory. You've had years where uh, you haven't filled all the roster spots on the team because you've and you've talked to us about it, about finding your guys and everything. Now this year we've talked a bunch about the deep bench and everything. Or is just how how special is that group that maybe like you said doesn't play as much and everything? And have you been has it been easier these last few years to find you? find your guys because uh, it seems like you have more more freshmen and, and younger guys uh, being able to fill in and kind of wait in their turn in the, with this group? Uh, I wouldn't say easier, maybe harder because we have to we make these deep runs. Uh, it's also harder because, um, you know, kids don't want to compete. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to come here and not play. Uh, and it, that's not for everybody. And, and they don't think they can beat out Trevor and, and Diego and, and Wes and Luke and, and all those guys. And so, you know, naturally you're going to scare some people off um, that, hey, they got too good of players, I don't want to go there. Uh, but if we scared you off, then, then it's probably a good thing because, you know, when it, comes to, um, when it comes to March and it comes to tomorrow, I need dudes that are not afraid to compete, and I feel like I've got 12 guys that, that aren't afraid of that. Um, and as long as I – keep getting those, we keep getting those guys, I think, you know, hopefully we'll maintain our competitiveness. Like you kind of talked about how you felt like you guys really started to click before you left for break, and then just haven't really been able to find that group since then, is how, how close do you think you guys are to, to reaching where you were before Christmas break? I thought we kind of hit our stride a little bit in the conference tournament offensively, and then regressed a little bit, but part of that is the defense uh, that you're playing against is really, really good. It's just this team, you know, it's just, you know, I, I've said it in a few post games, it's just a different story, man. And I just, I, it's it's hard to explain because you're, you're trying to, and I still do it, you're trying to search for, for what was. And, you know, 2021 is gone. And so, uh, again, it's 21-22, and this just happens to be that team where, you know, you're going to go into a game in the first half and, offensively is fantastic then the second half you're a train wreck and 
you got to just get stops and be tough and get loose balls and score enough. And it is what it is. That's what we have to do. Off, off the top of your head, what words would you use to describe the 2021-2022 Bearcats? What words kind of come to your head? Uh, uh, I, just, I just think about all the hair that I've lost. PG-13, um, keep it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for this, I mean, they're just, they're, they're a tough, resilient group. Um, they've, they've uh, just a tough, they're just a tough, resilient, they don't do anything perfect. And, and, and it's not easy. Um, and it won't be easy tomorrow and preparation won't be easy. But they're tough and they're resilient. And when it comes down to it, um, you know, they'll get, what are they, foxhole guys, they'll hop in that foxhole with you. You know, they're, they're a bunch of dudes that that last 10 minutes, there's no one else you want. Um, there's no one else you want on that team because they'll jump in there with you and they got your back and um, it makes it a lot more fun that way. You talked the other day or after the Moorhead game about help defense in the MIAA and how that's a little different than, than the style the Northern Southern plays. What what are the, I mean, they're probably the two best conferences in the country, so what are the kind of some of the other differences between the Northern Sun style and the MIAA style and what, what stands out to you, I guess? Yeah, I think theirs is a is a heavy skill league. You know, I think they just they naturally get they're heavily skilled. Um, they're a little bit bigger, longer, a um, little bit more physical in a different way. Um, you know, where theirs is you know kind of brute force, offensive rebounding type stuff, defensive rebounding, Ponji inside. Um, our league's going to be more of those little quick guards, kind of getting active and, and doing that sort of thing. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Northwest Missouri State men's coach Ben McCollum. You can catch up the Northwest men play August Stanley. You can catch that stream again on Midcoast Sports Streaming app. Or if you don't want to buy the, the stream, you can listen to John Coffey and Matt Tritton on Bearcat Radio there. I want to thank um everybody for um, contributing tonight. It, John Dykstra for coming on the show. Um, Tommy Rezach from KVQ for letting me use that call. I um, truly appreciate that, Tommy. Um, you've done a tremendous job there in Hayes on um, providing coverage of Griffin Sports all week. Um, Brandon Zinner's been doing a great job. Ryan Minley does a great job as always. Um, thank you all so much. Again, um, this weekend, um, Bitten Girls Basketball will be have an opportunity to play for a state championship as the road to state starts on Friday at 4 o'clock against Helias Catholic in Springfield. Um, you can catch live coverage on the Cliff Notes podcast all weekend long from Springfield. Um, once again, uh, more than likely, maybe an update either on tomorrow tomorrow or Wednesday. We will have an update on who Missouri Western women will be playing in the Elite Eight. We'll definitely stay tuned to um, the Cliff Notes podcast social media feeds. Um, also, um, stay tuned to the post-game show. We'll have that on there for you, too. Uh, tomorrow night, we will be back um, more than likely with John to talk about Northwest uh, men um, against Augustana. We'll be back for a post-game show with that. A lot of great stuff we have planned for this upcoming week. If you just think, um, man, how crazy has this basketball season th- has been? Um, if, if you think this basketball season has been crazy, it just got a lot crazier tonight. Again, congratulations to the Missouri Western women's basketball team. Congratulations to Coach Whitaker and her staff, all the players, Um Truly well-deserved. Congratulations, girls, ladies. Enjoy this. Uh, on behalf of everybody that contributed tonight, um, I'm Clifton Grooms from the Clifton Notes Podcast. Take care, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow night.